And we have another Real Estate Law Podcast. Quick take, Jason Muth here with Straightforward Short-Term Rentals and Pride Away Stays, one of the hosts of the podcast. We spoke with Kent Ritter a number of months ago. Kent is the CEO of Hudson Investing, and we're talking about real estate syndication. Now, if you're a regular listener to this podcast, you might know exactly what that is. If you're new to real estate investing, um, you might have a question as to what is real estate syndication. We didn't know what it was a number of years ago either until we got ourselves involved with a few different syndications just to see what it was all about and learn the process and maybe make some money along the way. A real estate syndication is simply an organization or combination of investors that are pooling money for a real estate investment. And that's what Kent specializes in. Uh, in this clip, we speak to him about what it's like to be on both sides of that coin. So first, he was one of the people that was investing in real estate syndications. And oftentimes what happens with people that are investing in syndications is they kind of graduate or they move into the space where they're the ones that are raising the capital. And on both sides of that coin, there are lessons to be learned. So give a listen to this for a couple uh, quick bits of information from Kent, and we hope you enjoy it. Can you comment a bit about what you learned from being an investor in syndication deals to then suddenly becoming the one raising the capital for your own deals? Yeah, I actually, I learned a ton. And I think it was a really great perspective that it gave me of actually being in the investor's shoes right first. I was able to invest and I intentionally invested with a bunch of different people in different geographies. I mean, one for diversification, but two, I wanted, especially once I got it in my mind, like I, this is what I want to do. I wanted to see how other people operated and I wanted to be able to take what I liked and, and leave what I didn't. And so a couple of things really stuck out to me is, you know, communication really matters. And, you know, you're giving the minimum investment in, in our deals and in a lot of deals of the type, a lot of people that do what I do, it's typically about $50,000. So it's not a small amount of money, you know? And so if you're giving somebody $50,000 or $100,000, it doesn't feel very good if you don't hear from them for like six months. And you're just like, you're like, what is going on? Like, you know, did they, did they take off? Are they still around? You know, what's going on with my money? And so, and I had that happen a couple of times. You just like couldn't get a hold of the sponsor and it didn't make me feel very good. And so I said, you know, when I start mine, like, I don't want to do that. And so, for example, like we send out monthly updates on all of our properties. Just here's what's going on. You know, here's some key metrics, just like a one pager, but just so people know we're there, we didn't take off, we're still working, you know, and, and, and let them just have, have an understanding of what's going on. So I think communication is paramount. And I just think like beyond that, like anything that you can do to make it easier for the investors, you know, just trying to like there's, there's a lot of friction in the process because it's definitely not, it's gotten more sophisticated. We have investor portals now where people can go in and they can log in, like create an account. But that, those are, a lot of those are just a couple of years old. It's definitely not as easy as going on like your Charles Schwab account online right, and making a stock investment. So any way that we could reduce friction in that process or things that, that I was trying to focus on. But yeah, I mean, communication was a huge one. The other one was, you know, I, I was involved in a deal. The second investment I, I, I ever made where the guy actually committed fraud and we, the investors, we lost our money. And so uh, it really taught me a lot about 
you know, it's kind of shame on me because, because I really didn't do my homework. I didn't really know what homework needed to be done at that point. Right. And I didn't look into the sponsor and I, I didn't really vet him. And so it really taught me a lot about, you know, the, the importance of the sponsor that the sponsor plays and uh, the importance of just being, you know, I think transparent and helping people build trust helping that trust connection come, I guess. I don't know how to say mm-hmm. that, but like, like just being transparent and being open and so that people can build that trust because it's, it's a big leap, right? To make that first investment. And I've seen firsthand how it can go wrong. So I think the importance of the sponsor and having a good sponsor and having a sponsor that has integrity and, and has financial means and has a good track record, right? Those things are all critical and, and, and things that I did not look at at all on that deal. The other is I, I'd been involved in a deal that, that had a capital call, meaning like they had to go back to the investment and ask for more money because something came up and they didn't have enough money to, to fund it. And like, that doesn't feel very good either. You're kind of in your mind, like, am I throwing good money after bad here? Like what's right. going on? Right. So never want to have that happen. And like, knock on wood, we haven't. Um, but I think the reason we haven't is because I've been through that experience and I'm hypersensitive to it. And so I try to just load extra cash into our deals in in different reserves, basically different rainy day funds. So like if whatever construction project we're doing, I'm throwing 10% on top of that in case things go high. We're front loading a few months of working capital, right? We're we're putting in like interest rates have been going up up and down. Well, not up and down, up, 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 right? And so we've started putting just even interest rate carries into our deals, which is just extra cash as rates go up so that we can, you know, stabilize cash flow, right? And things like that. So just we try to be really conservative and put a lot of different cash in our deals in a lot of different ways. So there's a lot of buckets we can pull from in a rainy day when we need them. And we never have to go back to the investors and say, hey guys, we need more money. Those are some of them. How many investors do you typically have in any of your in your current deals? Yeah, it, it all just depends on the deal size. What I can tell you is the average investment amount at right about $70,000. Our minimum is 50. So we have like a lot of people coming in at 50. And then we have people come in, you know, 100, 150, 200. A few people will come in above that. But it just just depends on how, how big the deal is and, and how much money we need. Yeah. I'm just kind of trying to pull some questions out, you know, because a lot of yeah. people probably listen saying, you know, I hear so much about, you know, wholesale deals and syndication and, you know, being part of these investments, but I don't really know where to start. So they're probably the same questions everyone else asks. What do you think is an average amount of time that somebody's going to have their money in one of your deals or a deal of this nature? So I tell people like you can, you should only invest money that you aren't going to need in the next five years. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so most of our deals, all of actually all of our deals have sold before five years, but I just try to tell people like we always underwrite them in kind of a three-year, if what, what's a three-year hold look like? And then what does a five-year hold look like? And, and so the five-year numbers are always lower than the three-year because we usually have a, a, you know, a big bump at the beginning. And then we're pretty conservative with our, our like organic growth. So we'll grow rents, you know, 3% or so over time. Yeah. The answer is I tell people you need to have money that you're not going to need for the next five years. And there is another Real Estate Law Podcast quick take. For the full episode, please go to YouTube or iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to or heard that quick take. We're also on realestatelawpodcast.com where you can get all of our episodes and information about the show. On behalf of attorney broker Rory Gill, this is Jason Muth. Thank you for listening.